You're listening to the Third Cup of Coffee podcast. Good day, podcast listeners. Randy Bolander here on the Third Cup of Coffee. Glad to have you with us. And uh, super glad to share what I believe is a super important episode of the podcast. What we have today is audio of Joel Richardson speaking at the bridge on Sunday, August 22nd. Now, this is how this all came to be. I was ready to preach. Saturday, the 21st, message was in the can. I had already underlined everything I wanted to emphasize. I had already X'd out everything that I did not want to say. And my message was good to go. And uh, I listened to something from Joel, and it was so timely. And I felt like the Lord said, Randy, your message will be good tomorrow. It'll be good in a week. It'll be good in a month or a year. It has a long shelf life. I mean, it really, that was the expression that came to me. It has a long shelf life. But this thing from Joel was so timely in light of what is going on in Afghanistan, that I felt like we really need to lean into this and, and put my message off. And so middle of the day on Saturday, I reached out to him and said, hey, I know it's late notice, but the idea of uh, you sitting in the seats in front of me as I'm sharing this, knowing what you have on your heart, uh, seems a little goofy, and I don't want to do that. So will you please uh, share it with the rest of us? And he graciously agreed, and so uh, this is that. Now, at the end of the message, we purposely structured this so we would have time at the end for intercession uh, to pray for the people of Afghanistan and for God's purposes. Uh, There's a lot of information in what he shares and I think at times we get addicted to information and think that having information is the goal. Having information is important but uh, the United Nations has information. The United Way has information but the church is positioned to do things that United Nations and United Way will never do. The church can do what cannot be done with guns or dollars, and that is to go before the throne of God and ask for change and move heaven. And so we wanted to take the information that he gave us and then turn that into intercession. So at the end, we're going to go ahead and leave that and uh, leave that there, and so you can can join in with that as well. Next week, I am coming back with our part two of the series on the presence of God, and I think it really is going to be a seminal message for the bridge. I think it's going to uh, outline some of our cultural pieces about why we're going to do some of the things we're going to do. So if you are in Kansas City and you'd like to jump in on that, join us at the Culture House in Olathe at 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning. We would love to have you. Uh, And we just are happy to join us this way. Now, just a little bit of explanation at the very beginning here, what he's talking about. If you've only seen Joel's YouTube channel, what you may not understand is he is a hysterically funny person. Very dry, uh, just almost droll sense of humor, but like very, very funny. And during worship, Rachel and Walesse Fa'agutu were leading worship, and Walesse went into this rap reggae freestyle thing that uh, I will not attempt to recreate for you. However, what he said was something to the effect of, Lord bless us here in Missouri. And to that we say yes, except that we were about 15 miles west of the border in Kansas at the time. And uh, well, let's say I got a little confused about where we were. So when Joel got up to preach, uh, he just couldn't leave that alone. And so that is what he is talking about at the very beginning, which is, well, let's say Fa'agutu, uh, imploring the Lord to meet us there in Kansas. Here you go, Joel Richardson from The Bridge.
Good morning. So I was sitting down. How many people have never heard me before? Raise your hands again. You guys are about to be blown away. No, I'm just kidding. Um, brief comment. Some of you may have been slightly confused, and it's probably important to qualify. So thank you so much to the whole worship team and the Fagatus. I always love when you guys lead worship. Um, but when Willesse prayed that the Lord would invade, that heaven would invade earth here in Missouri. So, no, this is legitimate. So everybody's getting ready for church. You probably haven't been listening to the news. Last night, just after midnight, Missouri invaded Kansas. And it's like every, even legitimate military analysts, they were shocked. They were like, we had no idea that Overland Park was going to fall that quickly. Olathe and armies from Grandview are like right now at the gates of Lenexa. It's, it's serious times. <clears throat> so I'm just trying to cover my brother. And because and, he, what he said was accurate. I just, I want to, I'm all about covering Willesse. So, so good morning. Um, okay, so Randy, I want to be done by 11.40, 11.35. Okay, I want to make sure we leave plenty of time for prayer. No, because we want to have plenty of time for prayer and, and appreciate the, those in the children's Whenever you have a new church, like the, the workers in the children's department, they are gold, and you want to respect them, like you really want to appreciate them. So let me just say this before I begin. Um, I am not, uh, I've never been to Afghanistan. I'm not, I don't claim to be a specialist on Afghanistan or this type of thing. So for the past, um, my qualifications for talking about this for the past Ten years or so, I've been working with a ministry called GCM, which is Global Catalytic Ministry. So I've sat on the board for several years. I was actually the chair of the board for several years. I just stepped off and actually now work for them. But this is the ministry that, so within Iran, within the nation of Iran, there are, there's probably about five different networks, okay, completely different networks. Some of them are just going like gangbusters. Some of them are floundering and almost barely exist. So GCM is one of the underground networks in Iran, and it's arguably one of the most viral in terms of like it's just spreading and growing rapidly. So I have all kinds of dear friends from Iran, and over the years I've had multiple opportunities to travel to different countries and meet the leaders, meet like the top tier leaders and spend a week or so with them just uh, processing and praying and so forth. And so as you can imagine, um, it's, uh, you know, it's a very different world. But here's, here's the point that I want to begin with. So in the midst of all that's happening, Afghanistan, this is something that most people don't realize, Afghanistan is the second fastest growing church in the world right now, or Afghanistan has the world's second fastest growing church. Now, it's not to say that it's the largest church, by no means, it's not even close, but if you, and this is according to like Operation World, which is a missions statistic tracking organization, they put out a publication every couple of years. Um, and so the question is, you go, my goodness, Afghanistan of all places, like the home of the Taliban, how is it that Afghanistan has the world's second fastest growing church. Well, this is what's amazing. It's because Iran has the first fastest growing church. 
And so you go, well, how is it that there's such a vibrant movement in Afghanistan? It's that Iranians, think about this, the nation of Iran are sending missionaries, or they have been sending missionaries for the past decade plus, to Afghanistan. And that's not the only source. Obviously, there's all sorts of different foreign workers and missionaries and so forth. But the heart of it, obviously, are those that speak the language. And they've been making disciples. And the stories that you hear and some of those that are working inside. So GCM, we have, you know, if you will, a, a fairly vile, viral, not vile, a viral network of leaders that are just incredible. I mean, so we have prayer calls and updates weekly, and um, we do Zoom calls. And in the midst of all this, as it was coming down to the wire, like the Taliban are coming, are you guys leaving or you're staying? And pretty much like 80% of them are like, we're staying. Like, there's no way we're leaving. Like, we're here. For... And then when you work, you know, with organizations like this, you have to determine, okay, if it's down, if it comes down to you get taken captive or, you know, there's a ransom situation, as the organization, do we allocate resources? Do we, do we put, lay down 50, 60 grand to try to get you out? Because you can do that. Do we send in, you know, American contractors to try to save you? And every single one of our workers said, absolutely not. Like, if I die, I die. I'm not here to, I'm not here to soak up resources. We understand what we're part of, and if it comes down to that, you know, and you have, when in that part of the world, workers have to determine, because otherwise their families can sue the organization. I mean, it becomes the real deal. So beginning there, um, the, I mean, it was, it's just mind-boggling, the fact that Afghanistan has the second fastest-growing church in the world. So before all of this, before everything that's unfolded over the past week, if you were to ask me, you know, just general feelings about Afghanistan, I would say this. I would sort of quote Henry Blackaby. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the book Experiencing God. It's kind of funny. He's a Baptist. Doesn't really believe in hearing from the Lord, but yet he ultimately articulates listening to the Lord. But he kind of articulates this um, principle, which I think is just so incredibly true, which is find out what God is doing in the earth, discern what God is doing, and then partner with what he's doing. Like, just such a simple principle. Like, you know, um, so I'll turn 50 in March, just a few years behind Randy. Randy Randy's looking pretty, pretty young, I think, for, he's approaching his mid-50s. Um, <laughs> I just have to point that out. I've got all my brothers covered. Um, but something about, I don't know, just the number approaching 50 you start really realizing what limited time and energy and resources you have, especially when you've got 10 kids. And if there's one thing that we as believers want to do is we want to maximize the little bit of resources that we have. We want to maximize the time that we have. We want to maximize our prayers. And so if you want to do that, discern what the Lord is doing and partner with him. If you want to waste a lot of time and energy, just do your own thing. Do whatever you think you should probably be doing. Don't listen to the Lord. And I hate to use this principle because I'm not a critic of the church in general. Like, I just, like, if you're trying to go for it, bless you, you know. But sort of the stereotypical joke is to make fun of mega churches with smoke machines and, and you know, like, what's that? Yeah, w welcome this morning, everyone, to the Bridge Crystal Cathedral. Um, 
But no, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll speak at a church with smoke machines, but I just always think of, and I'm sure Randy can relate to this too, being a car guy, but being a child of the 80s, you know, the idiot that would pull out of the high school parking lot, you know, just burning rubber, just smoke, and he's going nowhere. And he's, ex- he's just wasting gas and rubber and this and that, but it's, it's a big show. And there's a degree to which a lot of American Christian is that. There's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of things that are being spent. And it doesn't really seem to be going anywhere. And I'm just a big proponent of find out what God is doing and partner with what he's doing. And so, again, if you were to ask me about Afghanistan, I would say, look, if this is where the Lord's moving, then let's partner with what he's doing there, right? Now, obviously, overnight, everything has changed. We've all been tracking, at least if you're like me, glued to the news, watching, and not only am I getting the, not only am I tracking with the news reports, but we're getting all of the live updates from our leaders on the ground. And how many people just curiously saw the video uh, that I posted of the underground Iranian leader, and he's, just raise your hand if you watched that, so not too many people. It's it's heartbreaking, really difficult to watch, but he's, he's crying, and he says, listen, today is the first day of the Taliban control of the country, and, uh, you know, he, we've got him pixelated, and, um, and he, he says, look, I'm sorry, guys, I can't hold back my tears. He said, 20 years of work, 20 years of work. We have worked so hard, it's gone overnight. And he said, everyone that promised they were going to stand by us have abandoned us. And every precious thing in our country is gone. And these these, um, barbarians have taken over the country. And he said, we as the believers, we've been abandoned in the fields. He said, but we're going to remain in the fields. You know, we're not going anywhere. And then he said, I put out, brothers and sisters, I put out this video. He said, "If, if there's none of us left, he said, please take care of our children. Please don't abandon them. And then he just ended by saying, I, you know, he just, he basically prayed for us and said, I trust that you're under our heavenly father's care. But, you know, and he's crying. So you watch that. And I mean, and he says, listen, like our hearts are unbroken. We're not afraid. We're here. But yet he's, he's terrified. And this is kind of the reality that I want to communicate is when you have situations like this, the church wants to hear all of the wonderful testimonies about the bold and courageous believers, and there's a lot of that. But the reality is life is messy. And, you know, what the messages that we're getting right now, half of them are absolutely terrified, fleeing the country, desperate, turn the lights out in their house, hiding in, you know what I mean? Half of them are absolutely just devastated. And then half of them, the other half, I mean, it's about 50-50 right now, are just like, look, we're here. And there's actually, well, I'm going to get to it. We've got people that are fighting to get into the country. I've got friends right now that are working in the airport that are fighting to get people who are desperate to get out of the country. We're also working with people that are trying to get back into the country because they're like, look, this is, this is where it's at. This is where God's about to move. So I want to... Um, I want to do something, and I did this on my, uh, my, my YouTube 
uh, program the other day. I saw this funny uh, t- TV show where this guy, he goes, yeah, man, I got plans for my life, bro. As soon as I get out of college, I'm going right into YouTube. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I have plans, big plans. But so um, on my YouTube program the other day, I, I did essentially what I'm talking about. If you've already seen that, some of this is, is repeat. But um, I usually don't publicly talk about personal prophecy. You know, overwhelmingly, I'm a Bible guy. I like to expound upon what the words of the biblical prophets, capital P. But that said, I am a charismatic, Pentecostal, continuationist, whatever you want to say. I believe that God continues to speak today. Now, that said, I could do a a show of hands. Um, Over the past, and I just had my 30th spiritual birthday Friday, so I became a Christian 30 years ago Friday in a tent revival meeting behind a Piggly Wiggly on the outskirts of Memphis, Tennessee. That should be a song. Yeah, totally. Like, behind the Piggly Wiggly, you know, I knelt before my Savior. Um, so, and I, so I wish I had video of that night. It's just, it's so like the epitome of Southern Holiness, Pentecostal, Yahoo kind of stuff. But, um, Since that time, when I came into the church, I've been blown away by words of knowledge and prophecy. But by the same token, over the past 20 plus years, if I'm to be honest, although I believe God speaks, there's a lot of cynicism, skepticism, and caution. If I, I could just say caution, but the truth is I have a lot of cynicism with regard to prophecy. And as a public speaker, you know, of course, when you travel places, everyone, like, every time they bump into you, they assume it must be, like, a divine appointment, and I have a word for you. And, you know, they, maybe they write it down, and, you know, like, I love and appreciate that, but, like, so often I'll just look at it, and I'll just be like, you know, like, God bless the person for trying, but, like, there's just such an abundance. And then you talk about the election cycle, and false prophecies, and, you know, well-intentioned, but there's just a lot of cynicism. But that said, I want to talk about a word that was shared years ago by a man named Paul Kane. and if you've been around in Kansas City, if you have any connection historically to IHOP, you're familiar with Paul Kane. and obviously, you're probably also familiar that he had a really significant period in his life, a moral failure, and alcoholism and homosexuality, and I don't want to mention his word without qualifying that, that that's part of the whole story, um, but that he, he did go through, you know, pastoral restoration, and I don't, I don't pay attention to stuff like that, honestly, like, you know, it's important to be aware of when someone's in public ministry, but honestly, I, I just look at that and I go, that's, it's really none of my business, but that said, Despite being a skeptic, despite being a cynic, I've, never, I've seen very few people in my lifetime that have walked in such an anointing of accuracy as Paul Kane. And he's called me out a handful of times over the years. I got to know him a little bit before he died. Um, he called my wife out. I mean, stuff that I, I don't even know how to describe, Like, because I, I can't get into it because it's real personal stuff, but stuff that is just so incredibly accurate that there's just simply no way that any man in the world could know these things and now that I have kids I get up early in the morning before I had kids I used to I go for all these walks late at night and pray and you know intercede and 
And, uh, you know, I was more of a night owl. Now I get up before they get up. Otherwise, you don't have any time. But it was like after, like the few times that he, he spoke and, and gave a word, like I would go for a walk at night and I'd just be looking up and I'd just be like, you know, looking up at the sky, just be like, you really, 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 really are real. Like you really know my prayers and details. Like, you know, like I, the, the guy walked, and I'm not saying everything he ever said was, was perfect by any means, but he had an incredible gift. So he shared a very public word back in 1980. So not only words of knowledge, but also prophecy. And the word was shared many, many times very publicly. And I heard him share it personally in public a few times. I've heard multiple people relay it in public. And it was a three-pronged prophecy. Now let me say this again. I want to be clear. Prophecy, personal prophecy, is not to be equated, lowercase p, with capital P, biblical prophecy. But these things are something that should be prayed about. We should be aware of them. They should be considered. Okay, and this word in particular, because of the nature of it, to me, it's something that I've always held in the back of my mind and paid attention to. So it was a three-pronged prophecy in the first part, and it was given, it was first publicly shared, or I don't know if he received it, and first publicly shared it in June of 1988. Okay, so the presidential primaries were taking place. George, the dad, H. Bush, H.W. Bush was running, or he was the Republican um, nominee. And he went up to Kennebunkport, Maine, uh, where their, the Bush family home is up there, getaway home it was. And the Lord spoke to Paul in a dream, and he said, Bush is not fishing, because he's supposed to be up there fishing. He's hunting quail, but quail will hide behind the bush. Now, it had not been announced yet who Bush's running mate, VP running mate, was going to be. And, of course, shortly thereafter, it was announced that Dan Quayle was going to be his running mate. Um, and so the Lord said to Paul, he said, this will come to pass so that you'll know that the next thing is true. Okay? So then the next step or the next prong of the prophecy was the Lord said, I'm going to issue or deal it's kind of a death blow, like this, this significant strike. I'm going to knock the wind out of communism. And so, and he said, and it's going to happen within one year of President Bush's presidency. Within the first year, I'm going to knock, I'm going to deal sort of a death blow to communism. Not kill it, but knock the wind out of it in a real significant way. And, of course, it was November of 1989, so, again, within a year of um, Bush's presidency, that the Berlin Wall fell and the Soviet Union collapsed. Okay, so pretty significant world events, pretty specific, very accurate. And then the Lord said, this will come to pass so that you'll know the next thing is true. The next sort of phase of, uh, of the prophecy is true. And so the Lord said, I'm going to raise up the residue or the, the remnants of the spirit of communism, and it's going to merge or marry with the spirit of Islam. And, and this is going to produce an empire that will make the nations tremble. It will be like a force unlike anything the world has ever seen. And it will have a significant power base in Europe, but the church, particularly in Europe, in London, in Berlin, but all over the world will rise up and do great exploits and this type of thing and stand in the face of this sort of this Islamo-communist sort of alliance. Now, let me just say this as the author, if 
if you're not familiar, you know, I've written a few different books where I'm arguing that the religion of Islam essentially is the system of the Antichrist, that we're not waiting for some new religion to suddenly take place and emerge, you know, like one day Oprah sends out, the Oprah book club sends out the email, and everyone's like, this religion's amazing, and everyone signs up, and then they start beheading us. Like, we don't need to wait for some new thing to happen. It's already here. Like, it's already been extending control over large parts of the world for the past 1,400 years. And so I've been arguing that Islam, I'm sorry, that the Antichrist, his empire, and his religion would essentially come out of Islam. And so I've been trying to present the biblical case for that. And in summary, if I was to give the one-minute elevator pitch, what's the biblical basis for that, Joel? Well, it's really clear. This book, the Bible, it's not primarily about the United States. It's primarily about Jerusalem, Israel, and the Middle East. That's the geographic and just, I mean, it's the context of the entire book. And so when you look at the words of the prophets, they're actually quite explicit and clear and consistent. They name names. They point to nations, tribes, peoples, regions that surround Israel. And those are the people that are named in the context of the Antichrist's invasion of Israel. And so if that's what the Bible emphasizes, we should pay attention. And they're all, every single one of them, are Middle Eastern or North African nations. Muslim-majority nations. And so I go, yeah, that's probably something we should pay attention to. There's much more than that, um, of course, but that's sort of the foundation for the, for the whole claim. Now, that said, so Joel, how do you interpret such a prophecy, the idea that we could see some sort of uh, merger, some type of an alliance between Islam and communism? And I would say I've always been, first of all, aware of Paul Cain's prophecy, um, and I've always been entirely open to that. Now, I'll still maintain that this 10-year, 11-nation coalition, this alliance, this revived empire that the scriptures speak of is primarily centered. The head of the spear is still in the Middle East, North Africa. It's still the Muslim-majority nations that surround Israel because that's what the Bible says. I'll still maintain that. I still believe that Turkey or uh, an entity from the region of Turkey will take leadership of that because I believe, in my opinion, that's what the Bible seems to point to, particularly uh, Ezekiel. Um, but that said, I've always been completely open and actually really pondered quite a lot the idea that communism could come alongside and support and help the rise of this coming um, revived empire, so to speak. So with that said, you know, as when Americans hear communism, we most often think, well, so what are we talking about, China or Russia? And technically, Russia is really not even communist anymore, technically, even though the second largest party in Russia still is communist. And, you know, there's still a lot of affinity for communism, but it's kind of a hybrid capitalist model at this point, obviously, since 1991. But, of course, China is, is the communist power of the world right now. And so it's in light of the fall of, of Afghanistan that I've really kind of revisited Paul's word. And, oh, I need to change the timer on my... I just got a new computer this week. Um, so it turns off every 30 seconds because we don't want to destroy the earth. Um, which is fine. I just have to keep doing my finger, my, my, my finger thing. Um, but it's in light of all of that that I go, okay, so here's ground reality. Paul gives this word. 
here's the ground reality. What, what is happening on the ground in terms of the fall of Afghanistan? First of all, it's devastating. Like, this is not, you know, politically, everyone uses moments like this to go, Biden, you know, or Trump, you know, like, it's just, let's point our finger at whichever political party we hate and blame everything on them. Do you remember in um, Forrest Gump when um, Jenny's boyfriend was beating her up and then he blames President Johnson? (laughs) Like, that just reminds, that's Twitter. Um, it's just everything that happens, or Facebook, like that's everything that happens, it's darn Biden, you know, like I'm sorry I beat up my girlfriend, it's just this is Johnson, it's just things are so stressful right now. <clears throat> and it's so banal, like it's just so unoriginal and tiring and so forth, but it's so merited right now, <laughs> like, and I'm not just blaming, it's, it is such a catastrophe what's unfold, like you're getting all the reports from the people inside. I mean, think about this. The, the British Parliament just held President Biden in contempt. Contempt, not only for the nature of the pullout and the catastrophe that it's resulted in, but his comments afterwards, essentially blaming Afghanis for what's happening. I mean, you know, like this is an incredibly, and I'm not trying to be political, this is an incredibly dark moment for our country. Um, immediately after the elections, all of the news is like, now the world respects America again. The, the primary issue that the fall of Afghanistan is producing is the absolute, complete humiliation of the United States on the global scene. And what it absolutely will result in will be, as the Americans create this vacuum, China in particular, not just China, will step in. In this global contest for the global alpha dog, the most powerful military, the strongest economy between the United States and China, this is the, this is the perfect opportunity for China to step forward. And I'm not a prophet, I'm not making predictions, but just in terms of, of the various scenarios out there, that seems to be where it's heading. China will step in and, and uh, make efforts to assume some of the natural resources as well as some of the corridors and roads through Afghanistan and this type of thing. But in the big picture, you go, well, what does communism have to do with radical Islam? You know, like ideologically, they're not one and the same. And you can try to point to different commonalities and that type of thing. But for the most part, they have very different agendas. They're very different um, ideologies. But the one thing that they all have in common is they love the humiliation of the United States. Now, China doesn't want to see the United States destroyed because there's tremendous economic benefits for the, for the United States continuing to buy their products, manufacturing, et cetera, et cetera. But they do want to see us diminished, and diminished profoundly. And so the way so many nations work, the way most foreign policy works, for example, Iran is great at this, is Iran uses proxies. They, they, they use junkyard dogs, right? So Iran can use Hezbollah to do its dirty work. And then when they do that, Iran can go, I don't know, we don't have anything. That's Hezbollah. They're over there in Lebanon. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, so they use these proxies. They use these militias. They use these extensions. Well, similarly, China will be completely happy be to use this emerging Islamist coalition of radical nations as its proxy in its larger global battle to see the United States diminished. 
And so if I was to make a prediction, that's pretty much where I see things going. Iran is thrilled. Okay, the United States are now off of our eastern borders. Now we're going to push them, what, the, the bit that are left, we're going to push them out of Iraq. And then Turkey will say, yeah, and we're going to push the, little, the few Americans that are still remaining in northern Syria, out of Syria, and so forth. And the, the resultant vacuum of the United States from the Middle East will create the perfect opportunity for some of America's greatest um, competitors, such as China and Russia and so forth, to exert themselves in the Middle East and to continue to form these alliances. So this is profound. And it's, again, I'm not making predictions. Maybe I'm overly pessimistic. I can only say where I see it probably trending. We could be surprised, you know. The Lord can do, like... Any number of surprises can be always right around the corner. But that said, and I, I hate to be Debbie Downer, but I just, I don't see a tremendous, you know, the next several years I see a, a very dark season for, for the United States. Now, where was I going to go next? I mean, it doesn't take a tremendous amount of geopolitical understanding to know that China's rising. Now, I want to um, transition into a second prophecy, and on my video, I didn't name the name, but he since has publicly shared it. Um, how many people don't know who Chris Reed is? Almost everybody, there's only like three or four. So Chris Reed is a young guy. He's in his mid-30s. Um, he just ministered uh, at IHOP a, a few weeks ago, and um, I think he's part Nephilim, too, because I think he's like 6'6 six, six or something. I mean, the guy's huge, but... You know, I got, I got some new shoes, by the way. I think these things get, give me about an inch and a half lift. Uh, Cole, Han, I'm a sucker for an internet ad. Um, but, yeah, I'm almost, like, with an inch and a half, I'm almost back to high school height. So, um, yeah, he's, the guy's huge. But anyway just a faithful guy. He's been pastoring a, you know, church, small church for years. And in my cynicism, as I said, you know, over the years, I mean, I've seen some people with some really legitimate prophetic giftings, but, but far and few in between. And, um, but seeing Chris come and the level of anointing on his words of knowledge, I haven't seen anyone move in that anointing from the Lord since Paul came. I mean, it's just really blew me away. And, um, I'm really grateful for him. He shared a dream um, a few weeks ago with the IHOP leadership team, and then he since has, has gone public with it. And in many ways, it piggybacks off of Paul's word. And essentially, he saw, he saw a field of wheat. I'm going to summarize it. And he saw the moon rise up over the field of wheat. First he, first he saw a star. The star rose, and then he saw this crescent moon. And then they both went down. And the way that he interpreted that is the crescent represents Islam. The star represented communism. They rose and they fell. And he was interpreting that as sort of the fall of Russia, the Soviet Union. And then the crescent going down was essentially the collapse of the ISIS caliphate. Satan tried. It didn't work. It collapsed. But then he saw them both rise together. So it was the crescent with the star, and they were bright red bright red. Now, of course, when you think red, Revelation 12, the red dragon, 
um, which represents Satan. And then before the dragon, out of the sea comes this beast, which represents the, amp the empire of the Antichrist. It's also a scarlet beast. It's essentially a mirror image of Satan. It's Satan's earthly vessel through which it will accomplish his final resistance. And so in this vision, his understanding was this, this Islamist um, communist alliance would rise, and he actually saw this beast sort of on the horizon. So it's not just something that's happening during our time, but it sort of had clear end-time implications. But here's the thing, is as this thing was rising, again, representing the system of the Antichrist, the harvest was taking place. The wheat fields were being harvested. And so I want to wrap it up here and end by saying this. In the midst of all the horror stories, and there are, there's an endless parade of horror stories, we're also getting reports. Um, and I want to be careful because I know it's being recorded. But reports where some of the leaders in Afghanistan right now, like the past week, they have actively been having Bible studies with members of the Taliban that took over their villages and they're actually sharing the gospel with them and praying with them in their homes. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, can you imagine doing that in Leawood? <laughs> Taliban, Bible studies. Um, and um, I want to be careful again about what I say. But as I said, we've got leaders that are fighting to get in. Fighting to get in. Now, I'm just going to end with this principle by talking about this principle. Whenever the Lord said he's, this, it's kind of a funny dynamic. Whenever the Lord said he's going to do something, Satan says, oh yeah? Now, there's something about Satan that we all need to be aware of. He's insane. He knows what his destiny is, but he tries anyway. Do you see him? Like he knows that it's not going to work, but he is bound and determined to try. So the Lord says, "I'm going to Isaiah 19. Somebody, probably, I'm going to have a tremendous revival. I'm going to raise up a remnant of believers throughout this part of the world." And Satan goes, "Oh yeah, well I'm going to establish my caliphate. I'm going to establish the ISIS caliphate right exactly where the Lord said there's going to be revival." But then the Lord goes, "I knew you were going to do that." Like. The Lord is like a thousand steps ahead of Satan at every turn. And Satan's always like, oh, you always knew I was going to do that. And the Lord's like, yeah, but keep trying, sucker. And so it's the principle of blowback. It's the principle of reverb. So why is the church growing so rapidly in Iran? Well, because Satan said, I'm going to establish the Islamic revolution. I'm going to try to establish my kingdom here on the earth. And Satan always overreaches. He always overreaches. And so 1979, you skip forward, now we're 42 years later. The fastest growing church in the world is the blowback from Satan overreaching in Iran. And they're sending missionaries to nations like Afghanistan. Think about that. When ISIS happened, you know, we're watching genocide. We're watching behead, well, hopefully not watching the beheading videos, but you know what I'm saying, just brutal videos online. They were masters of of um, social media and so forth, just horrible, horrible things. The world's watching this, and Satan's laughing, going, look what I'm doing. I'm establishing my kingdom right here in the heart of, of the Middle East. And then, I, and I predicted it then, in the same way that there was blowback with Iran, there's going to be blowback from ISIS. 
the reports right now in northern Syria, the revival that's taking place in northern Syria. I've got a dear friend that was there a little before COVID, about a year and a half, two years ago, and he's like, everywhere I went, the Kurds and the Arabs are like, oh yeah, my cousin, he's an evangelical. My uncle, he's an evangelical. Oh, my sister's whole family are evangelicals. They don't say Christians, they say evangelicals. They became an evangelical to make themselves distinct from the traditional believers that are good at surviving, but they're not good at multiplying and making disciples. There's, in the city of Kobani, right on the border of Turkey and Syria, there are three evangelical churches, all filled with former Muslims, converts. Wherever Satan overreaches, there is blowback. What we're seeing in Afghanistan, right, it's devastating. For America, it's devastating. But I'm telling you guys, give it a year, give it two years, give it three years. You watch. You watch. Wherever Satan tries to establish his kingdom... The Lord goes, I knew you were going to do that. And it's in partnership with broken, weak. Like, I would love to tell you all these stories of courage and so forth. And, and, and they are there. But the reality is it will be accomplished by a bunch of scared, terrified, struggling, weak people just like you and me. It's not like they're superheroes and, you know what I mean, like, they're just like us. They have kids. They have financial obligations. They have, but they will... In weakness, they will partner with what the Lord's doing. And in the years ahead, we're going to see a tremendous revival, I'll just say, explode in Afghanistan, despite the pain of the next season. So I'm going to end it right there. I already went five minutes long. So let's call the prayer team up, and um, thanks for bearing with me. Thank you, Joel. I'm going to ask if Daniel would join me. We're going to shift things just a little bit. We've reserved ourselves some time here at the end. Because we want to do the thing that we are uniquely suited to do, which is pray for Afghanistan. It's a little after 9 o'clock at night in Afghanistan. It's dark. People are probably hiding. And today is the, um, the day of prayer for Afghanistan. Today is the National Day of Prayer for, for Afghanistan as well. And uh, I didn't know that till this morning. So we're going to just invest a little time here before we go. Leaning into the, I mean, the one thing we could do, the world can give. We can give finances, and I think that's important. The world can do that. We can add a hashtag. The world can do that. What they can't do is stand before the Father and ask Him to move in that place. So I've asked Daniel to kind of just instruct us a little bit and lead us in this time. Yeah, as I was sitting there thinking about and hearing these um, just some of the stories and some of the understanding of where things are headed. You know, it's, it's kind of for each one of us this time where it's like we can either respond with kind of the common, I'll let this stir in my heart for about a week and then I'll move on to the next news cycle. You know, and, and that really just numbs us to being indifferent. Or we can say, what can I do about this? And, and as Randy just said, as that question is stirring in us, in our default place, our default answer is we can come before the Father. And I'm reminded of a word and, and a, just a person, a, a season of history that is meaningful for us as the bridge. And it was in World War II when there's this small band of believers led by a man named Reese Howells. And as the Nazis are, are making their way across Europe and they're seeking to conquer with great terror and dread and, and all these things, 
the Lord commissioned this group of people to go and to clear the skies, to take their place as there's people on the ground, to take their place and shift things in the heavens. And so that, that's what we're reaching for, not just this morning, but this morning and, and in the days to come. And so what we're going to do, there's going to be a few of us that are going to pray. Rachel and the team is going to sing and sing some choruses. Um, and then we'll have a time where we'll get into small groups and where you guys in twos and threes where we'll pray with one another um, for several issues. Randy, we have a slide. Um, or Greg, we have a slide. And, and these are just a few points. If you're like, I don't know what to pray. How can I be praying for Afghanistan? Um, just a few things would be one, praying for the church, for our brothers and sisters, that they would stand in faith, praying for those that are in hiding. Um, there, there's reports coming out that women and children are being targeted, being taken from homes. Uh, and then praying for the harvest, that the the growth that the Lord has brought forth and revealing himself would continue. I just want to read this verse out of Joel 2 as we begin. And let's just stand together just to further engage as we come before the Lord and ask him to move in Afghanistan. In Joel 2.17, it says, Let the priests, the Lord's ministers, weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your inheritance a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Father, we come and we take our place before you as your priests. God, we stand before you on that sea of glass, before the Father of glory, the Father of lights, before that throne that is surrounded with a rainbow of mercy. And we reach this morning, Lord, on behalf of the people of Afghanistan, on behalf of our brothers and sisters there. We reach toward you, God, and we ask you, God, would you have mercy in Afghanistan even now, Lord God, even as people are winding down for the night, they're laying their heads to rest, and yet they're filled with great turmoil, great trouble, and great fear. We petition you, God, and we say, spare your people in Afghanistan. God, would you stretch forth your mighty right hand in this hour. Father, we stand before you on behalf of the believers of Afghanistan, on behalf of ones like this brother who shares through tears the turmoil, the trial, and yet the, the, the conviction and resolution of his heart to say we are not leaving, and yet we're afraid. God, would you draw near to them in this moment? Jesus, we remember your words in John 14. You said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Peace I leave with you. We ask for that peace in a tangible sense to be released like a blanket upon this nation and upon the believers of Afghanistan. We ask you, Father, that right now by your Holy Spirit, that you would release peace over their hearts, that you would speak to those fears, that you would assure them that you will never leave them nor forsake them, that even though others who have promised before that, would, that they'd be with them, God, that your promise is sure, that your promise can be stood upon. We ask, God, that you'd strengthen them in faith 
in this very hour, God, that they would be rooted in your love. We ask, Father, that you would show them the exceeding greatness of your love toward them. We ask, Father, in this hour for encounters where your voice would comfort them in their fear and their trembling. We ask, God, for angelic visitations that would strengthen them. We ask, God, for miracles of provision and protection that you would hide them under the shadow of your wing in this very moment, Lord. We ask you to arise and to shine your face upon them. Father, we ask you, God, that your light would fill them and that their faces would be radiant in the face of darkness, that they would shine like the sun, the face of death, that they would be the light of life. We ask you, God, to move on their behalf. We ask you, God, to hear their cries and to lift their eyes in this very moment, that they would look to the hills from where their help comes from and that they would see you, Lord, standing with them and fighting for them, delivering them because you delight in them. We say, God, arise and shine. Move on behalf of the believers, your sons and daughters in Afghanistan, and strengthen them to stand in faith in Jesus' name. Thessalonians 3 that the word of the Lord would run swiftly in Afghanistan 
and be glorified. God, glorify your word. Make a highway straight for those workers to run on, to take your word, God, to preach the gospel that breaks the chains. God, it's time for the word of the Lord to run swiftly. God, I pray that you'd be with them, Jesus, that you'd deliver them, deliver the believers there from unreasonable and wicked men, those who have no faith. God, we pray that these Bible studies with the Taliban, God, would be fruitful and produce righteousness. God, that you'd actually deliver the believers because the, the ones that are persecuting them come to faith in Jesus. They find their deliverer. God, we're looking for miracles. We, we know they're just like us. God, we see the pictures of mothers handing their babies to military the military God because they're afraid Lord I pray God that these mothers and children would be strengthened in the might of Jesus God I pray for miracles to break forth but at the end of the day I pray God that your word would run swiftly you'd 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 let them experience the patience of Christ the perseverance of Christ in their current trial Look, God, we look for revival in Afghanistan. We look for revival in the Middle East, God. We pray you'd help us to partner in prayer and however else, God. We see what you're doing today. We acknowledge what you're doing in the earth. And we say yes to it, Jesus. Father, let your work on swiftly and be glorified in Jesus' name. church and your bride there, Jesus. Lord, your people need you. Lord, we're desperate for you here and we're desperate for you there, God. So Lord, I just, we are, as a church, we are all saying yes that we want your spirit to cover them, Lord. We're saying yes that we want your spirit to move over your people, Lord. We say yes to the Taliban getting set free and saved. Lord, I just ask that you encounter them while they sleep. You encounter each person, Lord, that you give them revelation of who you want them to speak to, of who you want them to touch, who you want them to encounter, Lord. Let this not just be another situation in the world where things are taking place that we don't have control over, but God, I ask that this is a monumental moment for your bride, a 
monumental moment for your church that you move in radical ways that the church and the rest of the world can't help but recognize that is God. That is the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I ask that you do this and you move in power in Jesus' name. Amen. Let heaven come. two other people, two or three people. We're just going to take our final two minutes together. Just want to have each person giving space to, to lift their voice for the people of Afghanistan. So find one or two others and each of you just pray 20 or 30 seconds before we end this morning.
prayer time. Let's continue throughout this this day, this week to uh, hold up those that are in Afghanistan, those that are trying to get in, those that are trying to get out. And so Father, we come now and we just say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, that even in the in the time of trouble, in the time of chaos and despair, that, Father, you are still on the throne. And that, Jesus, that your sacrifice has significance for all men, for all time, no matter where they are or who they are. So, Father, we ask, Lord, that you would pour your light let your light shine. Lord, your word says that the light shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Father, we pray that for Afghanistan, that the light of Jesus would shine in the darkness and the darkness would not overcome it. So Lord, we ask for your mercy. God, be merciful. Lord, let your light shine in Jesus' name. Amen. Just want to encourage us that we continue leaning into this. You know, make a note on your phone. Take a picture of this. We'll send this out in an email as well. But thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Joel, for sharing. Have a blessed week. We love you guys.